Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Michelle. Hi everyone, I'm Michelle, I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi Michelle. Alright, just checking everyone out tonight, looking good. Um, so I just stick with the format, what it was like, what happened, what it's like now, share in a general way my experience, strength, and hope. Uh, let's take a few breaths up here. Oh, I'm calm or not. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks Michelle for asking me to lead this meeting or share at this meeting. Um, I listen to the podcast and it's a pretty cool experience to be able to be up here sharing my story with you guys. So um, I'll just start from the very get-go. When I was um, when I was born, I wouldn't really eat and my mom didn't know what to do with me. I wouldn't take the milk. I wouldn't, you know, and I don't know, is that a an eating disorder, probably not, just the way I was born, but it's just ever since I, you know, was a very infant, I struggled with food and eating, and um, up to the age of about five, I was very, um, I remember consciously one time uh, being with my mom and her putting food in front of my face, and I just shook my head, no, I'm not going to eat it, and I just distinctly remember that, like being like, no, like, at five, and um, my brother was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was six months old, and he was two years old, and so by the time I was about five or six and realizing that everything was about when he's eating, when he's going to get his insulin, when he's going to go to bed, when he's going to wake up, and him, 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 and what about me, (laughs) you know, uh, I realized that if I just followed him to the kitchen when they were going to eat, that then, too, I would get that attention because I'm hungry, too. And so, you know, that coupled with uh, the experience very young. I mean, when I would sit in class, I I wouldn't move. I would, like, sit there like stone rocks. Like, when I, you know, they had, like, seating charts, and when I I had to sit in the front of the classroom, I was like, because everyone was looking at me, like, everyone, I'm like six, like, who, <laughs> like, who was looking at you, you know, and I carried that, actually, all the way until I graduated with an advanced degree of, like, always that, then when I could choose, I would always sit in the back of the classroom, because I didn't want people looking at me, because everyone is looking at me, <laughs> I guess everyone is looking at me now, <laughs> joke's on me, no, anyway, <laughs> Except you, you can't see me, but hi. Um, so, you know, I always, it's its just, I love, like, that's what, in step four, it talks about egomaniac with an inferiority complex. Like, hey, come here. Oh, no, get away. Hey, it's like this dance. And uh, I guess I started that really early. So, I, uh, you know, just being so uncomfortable, like, just uncomfortable. Um, you know, there was just things going on at home, just in a general way, and so um, I just didn't want to feel at a um, at a very young age, and I, uh, I realized that when I would go with my brother, I'd get the attention, and then I'd also get the food, and so coupling that together uh, was not... Uh, 
very useful for a compulsive overeater. So um, I gained about, like, I looked at my pictures. My parents were like, oh, we have photo. This was, like, two weeks ago. Like, oh, we have photo albums. Uh, if you want to look through them, and then I get, I just stop looking through because, like, I, I just look at, like, how much weight I gained in such a short a period of time being such a young child. And, um, and uh, what was lucky for me was that nobody really said anything. Like, none of my classmates really made fun of me. I had friends, but I was just so shy. I, like, was just, I would just turn away, like, we'd be walking across the the blacktop, I haven't said that word in so long, and, um, I'm not weird, right? Seating charts, blacktops, I don't know, if I'm not a teacher, so I don't I remember, I don't say that in my daily life, but uh, I just I just can't, like, emphasize enough just how uncomfortable I was as a person, and uh, and shy and timid and, and uh so what I did was I participated in the eating, and then also I found that uh, if I was really good at things, people wouldn't pay attention to me. So if I just did everything right, uh, then I wouldn't get called on. I wouldn't have to go to detention. I wouldn't um, uh, wouldn't be called out in class because they always knew I was paying attention because my homework was always turned in. And one time in um, in fifth grade, so I was I did done all my homework. I'd never miss a day of class, even if I was sick. I went blah blah blah. So in fifth grade, I had this homework assignment, and I didn't do the last question because so I was like, I'll just copy it from someone when I get there because I'm a perfectionist. But if I can't figure it out myself, I'm gonna freaking cheat from you, so you think I'm perfect, and um, I'll be it. And so uh, I was gonna copy, and I forgot to copy off somebody, and she didn't stamp my homework, and I went missing for three hours at school because I was so upset. Because I'm perfect, and I, this is the first assignment I missed, and so from here on, and it was just so black and white. Like, everything in my life is in black and white. It's like either 100% done, or screw I'm not going to do it all. And um, uh, <laughs> they found me, but I didn't get in trouble because I was just so perfect and I had a bad day. And my, my parents were like, what, what the heck? And, and that just, um, that just how I was and, and sometimes I can see that too in myself now and um, anyway so so I started to I really you know gain some weight and momentum with that and um, and then I had a friend who had older sisters and her older sisters were into uh, losing weight and throwing up and boys and concerts and alcohol and uh not eating, and my friend was um, part of a swimming team, and her coach taught her taught her about negative calories. What are these? And uh, <laughs> and um, and there's no such well, I don't think there's such thing. But at the time, it was very attractive to me because I was overweight, and we would be sitting there eating like hordes of food, sugary things, talking about negative calories in her kitchen. And that is like the epitome of my compulsive overeating. Like, how can I uh, eat as much as I want and have no consequences for my actions and yet be also talking about how I'm not going to eat? I mean, just all these insane ideas that just have carried with me. So by the time I got to uh, sixth grade, I was going into middle school, I better like, you know, and I have all these new introduction of, of grown-up what I perceived to be grown-up cool things, uh, I, uh, and my mom always took me, she tried to get me into sports, or like peewee tennis, and like I was never good at anything. She wasn't good, I was overweight, I wasn't good, I couldn't swim, I couldn't play tennis, I, I was, I played soccer, I was mediocre, I was never really good at anything, I mean, except school. And, uh, she put me in this, um, 
after school program and I would always quit like all the kids would be running and he's like come on finish the coach would be like let's finish and I'd be like walking with them like wah wah when I realized I wasn't going to win first place I would walk and people would call me a sore loser and I'm like you know like I didn't I just thought am I close enough to this I'm fine right go here okay um, I don't want anyone to miss anything, you know. Um, <laughs> riveting, you're all on the edge of your seat. No. Um, I'm kind of like, what did happen next? No. Um, and uh, I should probably look at Okay. So, <laughs> uh, I, um, I was in this, we were uh, members of a country club, and um, poor me, and so I had a... <laughs> I had a coach who just saw this, like, poor attitude when it came to working out. You know, poor, poor attitude. And um, I, he's like, why don't you try a push-up? And I'm like, I can't hold myself up. And, I'm, nah, 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 nah. and uh, I, I, he was like, try it on your knees. And I remember I got on my knees, and I pushed myself up. And I got back down, and I pushed myself up again. And for the first time, I felt strong. And I said, this is it. I'm going to do this, you know, because I felt so powerless in my life. I had no power at home. You know, I'd come home from school and just sit and eat and watch those four cartoons that were on. It was just so miserable. And, like, I found something that made me feel strong because I felt so weak. And um, I'm not somebody that in, does things, like, um, uh, moderately. <laughs> so when I realized that I liked this, I'm like, I'm going to do this all the time. And so I started going after school to the gym. Um, and then it was summertime, like a week or two later. And my mom was really into fitness. She was an aerobic instructor back in the day. And, um, and so she just carried that with her her whole life. And we started taking uh, classes together in the morning. And in the course of the summer, I lost, like, 30, 40 pounds. So that was from 6th to 7th grade. And uh, and <laughs> to go from one school to the next and to lose that much weight and to literally have every single person, parents, kids, teachers, I mean, ever, oh, my gosh, you look so good. And what did you do? And... Wow, and just and then the attention from the men, and I mean, it just all started, you know, it just all started for me. And it's like, it's like the whole the whole was there, and it just all that shit. I just threw it in, just like couldn't get enough, and um, and I got into um, you know, anything that was around. I didn't care. I picked it up. Food, sex, drugs. Uh, I'm pretending like I can't name anything else. There's probably a thousand other things. Anything. I don't care. Name something. No. Attention. And, you know, and then at that time, it was like, screw you to my parents because you didn't really help me. The only reason, the only thing you helped me do was gain, you know what I mean, 40 pounds. And even though, it, you know, and, and so uh, I uh, started down that road and, um, all through high school, and the the compulsive over-exercise, the restricting, the dieting, the insanity, 
the binging, the uh, attempts at physical purging, um, the uh, just the insanity of this disease. Holy moly! Just like a, a like a, a tornado, just storm, disaster. I mean, I, I, there's so many like descriptors of what this disease did to my life, and the fact that I was 100 percent unaware. I mean, you could not tell me. I was convinced that if I lost more weight, I would be happy. 100%. I didn't even talk. I mean, there was no, it was not for discussion. No. Like, that is it, period. Like, if I just lose more weight, I will be okay. And yet, at the same time, I can't stop eating and over-exercising and injuring myself. And, um, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's not a fun place to be. And I sat there for years, like probably uh, 15 years. And um, uh, in high school, I got a little more um, comfortable. I was still very shy. I was a very shy person, which is so funny because it's like the exact opposite of who I really am as a person and who I believe that my higher power wants me to be. Um, but I couldn't make eye contact. I mean, there was just... I was always staring at the ground. People would be like walking, watching me walk across campus. I'd walk in, and I'd sit down and be all quiet, and they'd be like, you're going to freaking fall. I'm like, why? Like, because you don't look up when you walk. So, like, you're going to trip on something. I'm like, no, I can see right in front of me. Um, <laughs> to me, it made sense. You know, it's just, just the self-esteem was, like, non-existent. Um, and because uh, I got all my esteem from outside things. And when, you know, I had no, I mean, I always excelled at academics, but that's an outside thing. You know, and um, when I uh, graduated uh, high school, I moved because that clearly will fix it. And um, I moved to Newport Beach from Sacramento, which uh, it's not really, there's not a big focus there on uh, your insides and how uh, spiritual you are. And so, no, but there is actually. Um, but not when you're eight, when I was 18 and all, all I was worried about was the way that I looked. And I just fell into even more of a compulsive overeating tailspin. And, and just, I would, I worked at a restaurant and I would just eat while I was there, eat while I was at home, take home the food. I mean, just on and on. And, um, what, uh, I'm like, should I get abstinent yet? I don't know. Uh, let's see. What else happened? No. What other miserable stories can I tell you? No, I'm really just, like, trying to... Because <laughs> for people that know... I mean, I'm not this freaking... I'm not this person. You know, I am unrecognizable to myself. So so it's just kind of... It's like interesting for me. You know, I don't want to forget where I came from. You know, because when I get all high and mighty and I'm so important and I work my... And then I forget that, like, I was you know, basically <laughs> on the floor before I got here and couldn't get out of bed. So, um, uh, um, the, the, when I moved back to Sacramento and I finished, was finishing up my schooling, the, the over-exercise came a huge part of my life. And, um, what happened for me was, uh, I was competing in my sport and I got injured. And, uh, everywhere. <laughs> I had seven MRIs in a period of like three months, and there was everyone was worried about me. My body was completely inflamed. I mean, I was like couldn't even walk. You know, so <laughs> uh, 
to go from all that exercise of competing and being at the top of my game and my sport to not being able to exercise at all, literally, because I could not. My my problem was that actually, you know what? That's so interesting. The re the thing that took me down, I was doing. Uh, I was at the gym and I was trying to do a push up, and I went down. I was like on rep seven or something, and I couldn't I physically. My I couldn't get up. I tore my complete last stuff that was in my body. And that's so interesting because it started with a push-up, and I just realized that. It was such a trip. And that was the end. And I just crawled in my coach's arms, and I just started crawling. I can't do this anymore. And uh, so I uh, gained a bunch of weight. Shocker. And, um, uh, you know, I was about 22, 23, and, um, and uh, just having a... Uh, rough time <laughs> you know because everything it's like my dad bought me a car when I was 18 and I lived here and I did this and I traveled there and blah 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 and like everything I mean you couldn't write a better fairy tale story about how I grew up you know you it was great and uh of course there were other things going on but you know on the out very 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 superficial outside it looked so freaking fantastic and on the inside was just filled with misery and insanity over this disease. This specific disease drove me uh, to uh, just the gates of insanity, like it talks about in the book. And um, I, what else happened? <laughs> you know, I just, uh, part of my story is uh a lot of alcohol too, and um, and so that obviously took off. And um, I finally uh, got sober at age 23, and uh, I'll say how that's relevant to my compulsive eating when I get to my sponsorship. <clears throat> and uh, being in sobriety and uh, <laughs> and still being miserable is kind of a hard thing as well. So putting away the alcohol and then my sponsor was suggested that I don't date and so I didn't uh, really left me with the food and uh, not a lot of other coping mechanisms so I, I, I mitigated you know what I mean I'm like okay I'm working a program like this is okay and I actually moved one, two, three times in my three or four times I can't remember I moved so much Three or four times in my first three years of sobriety, or two years uh, of sobriety, I had, like, five sponsors. I, um, like, four apartments. Like, I mean, I just was, like, insane. I was just bouncing off the walls. I was crazy. I mean, I couldn't keep a job. I kept, like, oh, well, this boss does this, and this person does that, and I can't work here because of that. And then what about me? Yeah, I was still full of fear and, and, and self-centered and self-seeking and all that stuff. And finally, my... Uh, my de my depression was was so great and so bad, uh, uh, and I couldn't stop eating at work. I couldn't stop eating at work. I couldn't stop eating when I was going to work, at work, leaving work. Um, uh, I didn't know what to do, you know, because there was no restricting anymore, <laughs> and there was no not a lot of compulsive over exercise because I was so depressed I couldn't leave the house. And the amount of weight gain um, was scary to me, and it was happening very, very fast. 
and um, thank God, my my first sponsor for this is such a god shot. My first sponsor from Sacramento. That's why I say I got I got sober <clears throat> 2010, and two and a half years later, in September 2012, my first sponsor came down here to visit me, and uh, her best friend down here has a best friend who has problems with food, which. She had told me about in 2010 when I got sober, and I was like, she's like, call this lady. She'll, she'll know how to help you. I'm like, <laughs> calling some lady and telling her about my food problem. Like, what? Like, I'm really going to call someone and be like, I can't stop eating. Like, <laughs> or to even describe to somebody, like, the long history. Like, what am I going to start with the breath smell? I wouldn't drink it. You know, like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. So I didn't for two and a half years. And, um, we all went to this meeting, and uh, so my, my first sponsor's best friend, best friend, uh, had, at the time had 17 years of abstinence in Overeaters Anonymous, and I met her, and uh, that didn't really give me an option, like, it's your sponsor for OA. Okay, first of all, that will go away. And uh, second of all, okay. All right. And uh, <laughs> so... In uh, September, October, November 2012 was when I started to come to meetings of Overeaters Anonymous. And I did my, my deal, which is sit in the back. Uh, I think I got there on time, though, which I don't know what's happened over the years. <laughs> I've kind of gone around the train a little bit. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I definitely left early. And uh, I definitely couldn't relate. So, um, so I did that for a few months. And uh, I went to, like, one meeting a week and hated it and ate before the meeting, uh, left the meeting early sometimes to go eat, and uh, sometimes tried to eat during the meeting, but I was like, just wait, uh, <laughs> chew that gum like a psycho, and then once you get out of here, you can just go hit it, you know, because that's fun. And so... Up with that. I hear that a lot, by the way. People are like, really? You struggled when you first came to OA? Did you gain weight? Heck yeah, I gained weight. You know why? And I told my sponsor, I'm like, this is the bullshit-ass program because... <laughs> because I'm coming... You're like, I'm coming here to get help, and I'm gaining weight. Like, this is ridiculous. And it's getting worse. And she said, of course. Of course. She said, you're going in there, and you're looking in the mirror. And every single person that's sharing is sharing all about you. And this is something that you haven't told anybody about, you know. And uh, and I did here and there tell people, so you know what I mean. But um, uh, I didn't get that. I didn't understand, you know. But what I did understand is that working the steps and coming to meetings and having a sponsor will help people in 12-step programs. So I'm like, fine, because I had that experience already. And uh, this woman really, you know, is and was to me, and still is, um, an angel of, of all sorts. Because she didn't know me. She didn't know who I was. She didn't know anything about me. And she would meet me. Um, she told me what to do. She gave me questions. And she gave me assignments from the book. And, she, and I would bring them, and I would meet her. And I would just sit there, and I would order my food, and I would stare at the ground. And I wouldn't make eye contact for like an hour. And she'd be like, are you okay? She just loved me for no reason. She didn't know me. You know, she didn't know anything about me, really, except that I was a compulsive reader and I was struggling. 
and uh, she sat there with me and just uh, and just sat there and just like loved me, you know, and uh, didn't judge anything that I was doing. And uh, <laughs> and if you've met my first sponsor in uh, the other program, that is not my experience. <laughs> Actually, she was the one that was like, you need to keep going to meetings, you need to keep doing all this stuff, and. Um, what happened for me was I was working steps one, two, and three. Uh, out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and calling my sponsor here and there, and uh, and uh, and I and I got fired from my job because I couldn't show up. I was late. I couldn't get people to where they needed to go on time. Um, I was a mess. I could not uh, function. I was not functioning. And uh, I was thinking about checking myself into treatment um, because I couldn't stop having panic attacks. Um, multiple multiple panic attacks per day um, I couldn't drive couldn't leave my house and uh, I remember on Christmas 2012 I slept for 27 hours at my parents house and they, I mean, they didn't wake me up they were just, they just I think they just knew you know they knew because I have a brother who struggles with um, the disease of addiction and uh, and I just remember that you know, so every Christmas I just think, like, I'm grateful that I'm not in bed for days, really. I mean, I had spent days in bed, but I would get up to eat. I mean, I just didn't leave. And um, and that continued for, like, a couple, like, another month and a half. And uh, and really what my life consisted of when I was unemployed was drawing the blinds, watching TV, and eating. That was my life. I didn't pick up my phone. I didn't talk to my family. I really didn't call anyone back. Um... I just, that was, that was it, you know, the end of the line, I didn't know what to do, and, um, but I knew, you know, I, I could do a little bit of reading, I could do a little bit of writing, I could call my sponsor, I could go to a meeting, I just did it, um, even though it wasn't working, and it was making me, what I thought worse, and, um, so, <sighs> my best friend, who I met at a Antarctic and Bulimic Anonymous meeting in, uh, Newport in 2011, She's like my soulmate. She lives in Spokane, Washington. And uh, <laughs> we were Snapchatting earlier. Anyway, so she understood me, so I could really stay with her. <laughs> and uh, I don't have a wide range of emotion, don't worry. <laughs> like, I get crying out. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so great. Uh, no need to hide. Um, anyway, this is like so sad. <laughs> Is this a private school? They really need to step it up. Oh, it's public. Okay, it's fine. Is this a school? It's a church. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was, uh, anyway, back to, like, the depths of depression. Couples who were eating in sadness. No, but, I mean, it, this, this disease, is it, it kills. I mean, to, to it says in the book, to drink is to die. To compulsively overeat is to die. It is to die. Not necessarily physically, yes, because that's completely 100% possible. And also just to die this slow, painful, emotional death, you know. And um, I was in my kitchen, and we were deciding what to eat for lunch, which was the freaking event of every day. I mean, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. I mean, this is the event, right? Like, this is all I do. And literally my head, I mean, there was so much going on. It was so loud that that uh, I couldn't take it anymore, and 
and my head felt like it was going to explode, and I was shaking, and I was like, oh, I'm going to eat this, should I have healthy, should I have not healthy, should I eat what I want, should I be clear, what I need, what about this, and all of a sudden, my last thought was, I can't do this anymore, and everything was gone, every negative thought, all the depression, all the sadness, was gone, just like that. And uh, I don't know if it's a coincidence that I've been working steps one, two, and three. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't question it. But uh, I can't have an experience like that and tell you that there's no higher power. For me, you know, I've had, like in the book talks about, I've had deep and effective spiritual experiences as a result of working the program of Overeaters Anonymous. That has been my experience. And it happens to me every single day, multiple times a day, so long as I am open to receive the gifts that are coming my way. And uh, how I do that, good, let me tell you, because I have 12 minutes, um, is, uh, what did even say? So yeah, I came into program in 2012, and then I got abstinent February 5th, 2013, and then uh, my life got really big and blah, 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 yada, yada. And then I changed my date because I tried to, <laughs> I'm not a bulimic, but uh, I tried to make myself throw up. So it was a little terrifying and I couldn't do it. So uh, anyways, my, my absence date is um, October 28th, 2013. And I, uh, I've worked all 12 steps and I'm back in one, two, and three in the book. And um, I do a lot of things. I mean... I'm so, it was, I was at a meeting last night, and the speaker said, uh, trying to tell somebody about how, you know, the gifts of this program is trying to just describe to somebody what it's like jumping out of a plane. I mean, it would be that difficult, you know, I mean, like, to go from, and the reason I spent probably so much time on that is, like, to go from that kind of life to the life I have today, it's like, you can't, I mean... It's, it's insane. It makes no sense. And I'm so grateful, like, for the life that I have in the, in the, the amount of God. You know, I am, um, I read uh, a lot of a, uh, AA and OA literature, and I read a lot of outside spiritual source material, and I just pull from whatever works for me. And, um... And I've really, really found through that experience of having everything taken away in terms of negative thoughts, I've really found um, a higher power that really works for me. And every single day, in every single moment, I'm just calling on that, you know, or not. Because sometimes when I, when I, uh, and we were just reading this, I think in step eight, it's the self-searching. Uh, the leveling of our pride and the confession of our shortcomings. And if I don't want to do any of that, um, which, thank you, which sometimes uh, I don't, I get right back into where it goes over the fourth step in the big book and uh, self will run riot and made decisions based on self, which later put us in a position to be hurt and woe is me and I'm the victim and watch out. And I'm telling you, and you see my emotions, I can go from my heart is overflowing with love and joy and peace and I am abstinent and like this salad is the best thing I've ever eaten in my life and look at my friends <laughs> literally and nothing even had no 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 it's not even like a phone people are like then a phone call or I get it no nothing and all of a sudden I'm like oh well oh my god you know and I could just go that fast and um in case you didn't notice I go fast <laughs> and a lot of things I don't know it's just how it is um and so a lot of the, 
a lot of this, you know, is just a pause. We pause when agitated and doubtful and ask for the next right thought or action. I mean, the book really spells it all out for me. You know, I really like the I like it. I'm a fan, you know. <laughs> I like reading that thing. I just read it. I read this morning, chapter three. I mean, I've read more about alcoholism. I don't even know how many times. Every time I read it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is good. And, uh, <laughs> well, it's all good. And then I go into 12, which I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, it's like I love reading the literature. I'm like, I'm on fire for this program because this program has saved my life and has transformed my life. It has made me a completely different person, 100%. Uh, you know, and uh, my parents were going to come tonight, but <laughs> but they're in Vegas. My mom, I'm like, oh, I guess we won't be hanging out for Mother's Day. My mom's like, yeah, I'll be in Vegas. I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, my mom's really cool. She's not like a bitch. But, uh, <laughs> sorry, Mom. I'm like, you can listen to my podcast, Mom. Shout out. No, she's with my dad. <laughs> she went to like this rock concert last night, and I was like, I know, I wish there were some young people that could go, but we'll go, we'll go. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I love my parents. I hated my parents when I got here. I had such a because like you, you know what I mean? <laughs> like you people. And uh we have the uh coolest relationship. Coolest relationship with my parents. You know, through those amends, which by the way, I recommend doing your amends right the first time because I've had to make amends to my brother approximately four times and then I constantly constantly making amends to my mom. I mean I'm just trying to stay in that tenth step. I was talking about this last night. I'm like, let me not make it so big it's like an 8 and 9 let's just keep it at a 10 you know uh, like let me just promptly admit this because I don't want to like you know because at first I'd wait like 4 or 5 days then I would tell my sponsor I think I said something rude and then she, I would write about it and then I have to go back and make an amends like I was tired for that just freaking be like look Start, you know what I mean? I was wrong for saying this, and is there anything I can do to make it right? Is there anything I can do to make it, the situation more comfortable for us? You know, things like that. It's like I just live like that now. And probably one of the greatest gifts, there's so many, there's so many gifts. Um, one of the greatest gifts is the ability to look people in the eye. It's the ability to speak to people, to be confident, to, uh, you know, just to, just, I feel like I'm in life, like I'm in here, like before I felt like I was like on planet, like, don't belong here, you know, and like now I like belong, I'm like, all right, people around, do it, we're getting up, we're going to meditate, we're, you know, and, uh, and that's, I mean, really, I wake up like that most days, you know, whereas before, I couldn't get out of bed for 27 hours, I mean, it's like, I always say, I'm like, you can't make this stuff up, you know, and I thank God, because I couldn't have written this, and so when it's like a life beyond my wildest dreams, like, I don't even, I, this is beyond anything I could have come up with, anything I've ever read, anything I've ever seen, the feeling of walking with God, like, hand in hand. I mean, I'm talking about the sunlight of the Spirit, you know, all this stuff that's in the book. I mean, this is real, you know, the promises. This has all been my experience. We intuitively know how to handle situations which baffle us. And the longer I stay in program and the longer I practice my abstinence and, and talk to my sponsor and work with sponsees and talk to newcomers and go to meetings and be of service and, and imperfectly as such, imperfectly. Uh, but just keep keeping that direct forward direction, uh, it's like I can't lose. I don't feel like I can lose, you know. Uh, what's better? There's not, there's not a place in the universe I'd rather be than here. You know, on a Saturday night. Like, this is, this is great. 
I think. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> um, it's just like, such a cool life, you know? It's a cool life. It's a fun life. And uh, getting to share what I've gotten out of this program with others is the biggest, biggest gift because all three of the women that I sponsor are here. And, uh, I mean, I'm just so, when somebody asks me to sponsor them, I mean, that is the highest honor for myself. When somebody says, will you sponsor me, you know, or will you take me through the book, or will you tell me what you do in the morning, or, I mean, it's like, you know, when I, I've been struggling on an off a little bit, and I call my sponsor, and I'm like, are you sure you have time? Because she's very busy, she's a kid, she's a single mom, and, uh, and she's like, I always have time for you. I always have time to take a phone call. I always have time to talk to someone who's struggling, you know, with compulsive overeating, or just in general. And uh, I just carry her her spirit with me, you know, uh, when I sponsor, when I'm out. I, and uh, and uh, that's just, this program has really bled into every area of my life, you know, which it says, you know, we try, we practice these principles in all of our affairs. And that's really been my my experience um and you know it's just not it's not perfect but uh I haven't even like really talked about the food I mean because for me the food is a, it's a it's a symptom you know and the food isn't the food uh was never my problem the food was my solution you know and uh I don't have uh, I have a completely different, uh, I just realized I didn't talk about food for a whole entire recovery, but anyways. I mean, that's, but that shows you where I'm at. It's not about the food for me. It's not uh, for me, you know. It is about what is going on internally because I can have all sorts of stuff going on externally. And uh, as long as I'm right with God and I try to stay in the middle of a spiritual path and walk hand in hand with the, my creator, I'm okay, and I'm not in the food, and I doesn't, it doesn't bother me, you know, but once I get off kilter, which happens, and I can feel it now, you know, I have awareness, like I have an idea when I'm sort of falling off, and I can get back on, you know, or not, it depends how long I choose to sit in it, and I've just realized, like my, my sponsor, my first sponsor was like, well, you are choosing to be this way, and you are choosing, and I'm like, this is a chemical issue, which sometimes, it, you know, a lot of it was like, I'm just choosing to be mental, like mentally lazy, and I just want to let any old thought that chooses to just come on in, hang out, post up shop, be like negative, 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 and poor me, and uh, I can just let that roll around for as long as I want, and then I can, or I can be done with it. And I've learned that in this program, you know, because if you told me that before, I'd be like, no, 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 I can't control my thoughts. I have no control. I'm powerless over my thoughts. And sometimes, to some extent, that is true, but I am not powerless over what thoughts I choose to keep in my mind. Because if I hold that, I can't, I can't be judging you unless I'm myself feeling judgment. I can't be hating you unless myself I'm feeling hate. Uh, so why not just get rid of that altogether? And, uh, and I've just, I, I, I like to think I'm a, nicer uh, person as a result of this program because it's like I don't want like the longer I stay abstinent the less crap I want and the less tolerance I have for like stuff you know like I, I when I <clears throat> I feel good most of the time so when I don't feel good 
I'm like, okay, what's going on? And I want to get back to feeling where my center line is, which is with my higher power and where I feel most comfortable. And um, I just, I mean, what a program. What a, what a program. I mean, if you're new uh, and struggling, just keep coming back. Just sit. You know, I hold on. Sometimes I hold on to my seat and I grip it when I'm sitting in it because I'm like, this is my seat. And I don't want to give it up, you know. And uh, I uh, I do a lot of continued service in OA, and um, that helps me a lot. And because I'm constantly thinking about myself, and thank God the book says that we need to have a constant thought of others because I forget that I should be thinking about other people besides me. Uh, and um, I think that's, that's probably about... It so thanks everyone.